The military-industrial complex doesn't care about us. We need to stop sending our children to war and dying for the bankers and elites. The medical-industrial complex does not care about us. They need us sick and weak, so we can be patients for life. Stop taking their poison. The education system is merely an indoctrination program designed to supply the elites with obedient workers and turn over as much profit as possible at our expense. Let's turn off the television, put down the phone. Let's take our country back. Thanks for being one of us. You are listening to the Conspiracy Soldiers Podcast. Recording in progress. Good morning, ladies and germs. Welcome back to the show, Conspiracy Soldiers Podcast. This might be a short one. I'm doing it on my own. Me and Julio got a, he's got kind of a crazy schedule. Like, he'll be working all night, then he's got to go back in the morning. I got more of a traditional schedule. I mean, I, sometimes I work seven days a week, not today. Today is Sunday, about nine, almost 9 o'clock in the morning. I'm off today. But when I do work, it's like I get up about 4.30 and I work. I get off at 4 in the afternoon. So anyway, also, I'm recording this one. And this is my second time trying it out because my audio kept fucking up. Every time I tried to bring up a, a website to read something, I'm going to try it again using a different one. Um... And I'm trying not to cuss too much this time because the reason I'm doing a video is because uh, a lot of people were reaching out saying they couldn't find it on YouTube, which I didn't even know that was a thing. People listening to podcasts on YouTube because I always listen on like audio. I use Google Podcasts because it takes up less space on my phone. I'm a cheapskate. I got an old ass phone. I'm also a cheapskate when it comes to Zoom, so when I, when I hit 40 minutes, if I'm still rambling about shit, then uh, I'm going to have to pause it and start a new meeting. <laughs> well, yeah, so Julio will be back next week probably, unless it's his alter ego, Pedro. <clears throat> All right, so the first thing... First thing I got marked down that I wanted to talk about was this, uh, the Article 5 they were voting on in the government. Well, the Article 5, it's, it's the NATO. <clears throat> what it is, is, um, it's called, it's called, Article 5 is called the Collective Defense. So, what it says is, if any other, I don't even know if Ukraine's in fucking NATO yet, and I got to stop trying to cuss. I don't want to get, the reason I'm doing this video is for YouTube, and I don't want to get kicked off, but I don't really give a shit if I do. Anyway, collective defense is when any uh, NATO group comes under attack, the treaty claims that other NATO countries are kind of compelled to help them out which is bullshit treaties are bullshit in general I mean it's not a law it's nothing it's just some bullshit they can throw in there to try to get it, get something by if they want to try to 
pull the wool over our eyes, so to speak. Uh, yeah, but <clears throat> the Democrats are really in favor of this going to Ukraine, which is weird to me because, like, back in the day, like, say, around Woodstock, after Vietnam or during Vietnam, when, uh, like, all the hippies were protesting and shit and wanting to get, a, get all the troops out of Vietnam, like, peace, man, and, you know, like, wearing beads and running around naked and shit, whatever they did, but I, to me, I, it was under my, I just assumed that they all were Democrats, you know, and now they all, all these Democrats we got in office, which they probably don't really represent the people anyway, they're all in there for their own interests, but, uh, some people just, I don't give a shit about one side or the other, but, they all just seem to want to go to war so bad. Uh, I don't get it. And like I said, it's just a treaty. And I'm going to try this again every time I pop up. Last time I tried this video thing. Every time I pop up a website, my audio starts fucking up. So basically what, what I'm trying to say is treaties don't mean shit. So I got this website pulled up they're talking about some of the treaties we had with the Native Americans which when I say we I mean the United States but the government's the one that fucked them over as usual they fuck everybody over uh, and um so they just call them the US Constitu Constitution calls treaties the supreme law of the land whatever that means so there's a long history here um, they've got hundreds of treaties with native nations um, a lot of so most of them were in, in uh, Dakota which is now Minnesota and it says oh, so one out of every ten treaties ever signed was in Minnesota. So that's what I pulled up, and that's what I'm looking at right now. So this this particular one I'm looking at started in 1851. Treaties of Traverse de Sioux and Mendota. Dakota of the... And I'm not even going to try to say that word, but... In parentheses, it says Great Sioux Nation next to it. So that's what they're referred to now, I'm guessing. They ceded, ceded land in Minnesota to the U.S. in exchange for money, goods, and services. Unbeknownst to the Dakota, Congress eliminated Article 3 of each treaty. So that's how they can... If they're not going to honor all of it, they shouldn't honor any of it. Just like this Article 5 NATO bullshit. Anyway, this article set up, okay, this article three, this article set up reservation land within Minnesota for the Dakota to live on. The government also defaulted on payments to the Dakota. It kept more than 80% of the money of the payments that were made. The government often gave the money directly to traders who were supposed to supply the Dakotas with rations. 
That sounds familiar. They're doing that shit today. When they say traitors, they mean, in today's terms, that would mean corporations, uh, you know, uh, we call it, uh, you know, like goodwill and shit like that. I'm going to talk about the goodwill, not the goodwill particularly, but Red Cross later on here. Um, anyway, where the fuck was I at? Okay, Dakota. Who were supposed to? Okay, the withholding of rations by these traders led to the Dakota War of 1862 because the Dakota, of which were then estimated to be about 6,500 people, were starving. The war lasted about a month and a half. About 400 Dakota were arrested by the U.S. military. Ultimately, 38 Dakota men were hung in the largest mass execution in U.S. history in Mankato, Minnesota, December 26, 1862, under the orders of President Abraham Lincoln. Such a hero he was. And then... So the Dakota people were separated after. Okay, my, my audio is fucking up again. Let me pause it. All right, we're back. The Dakota people were separated after the war. We became exiles. The governor of Minnesota put a bounty on the scalps of every Dakota man, woman, and child. Some Dakota were taken to prison camps in Iowa. Others, like my ancestor, not mine, this is the writer of the... <laughs> I'm not a Dakota Indian. Whoever wrote this story obviously was. Others, like my ancestor Chief Wabasha, were marched to the Crow Creek, Re Crow Creek Reservation in South Dakota. More were moved to Nebraska Territory. Most Dakota from the Sisseton and Wapiton bands were moved to the Lake Traverse Reservation in South Dakota. Some managed to escape the Spirit Lake Reservation in North Dakota and to Canada. Others died from sickness and famine. More than one quarter of Dakota in 1862 died during the following year. So you get, I mean, I'm talking about this particular tribe, which there were every fucking tribe basically got screwed over by the U.S. government. It's just an example. I wanted to point that out. Um, and then uh, after, let's see here. The next thing I wanted to talk about was uh, I started digging into Edward Bernays. Let me drop this down before my sound starts fucking up. So Edward Bernays. He was born in 1891 and he died in 1995. He was Jewish, called himself the father of public relations. Mother Anna was Sigmund Freud's sister, Sigmund Freud the psychologist, psychiatrist, propagandist. Um, father Eli was brother of Freud's wife, which is kind of weird. Her, Martha was her name. Grandfather Isaac Bernays was the chief rabbi of Hamburg. Family moved to the U.S. in the 1890s. Edward Bernays graduated from Cornell 
1912. He married Doris Fleischman in 1922. She was with the... She was with some kind of a group that was like a feminist group called the Lucy Stone League. And they like they were pushed for women to keep their last name after marriage. And then later she decided to become Doris Bernays. I'm guessing after he got rich, and he probably already was rich, I don't know. But she was involved in his uh some of his propaganda campaigns and stuff. All right. All right, we're back. Sorry about that. My audio kept fucking up, so I'm not making video anymore. Fuck the video. All right, where was I at? Okay. Yeah, later she became Doris Bernays. And she was involved in his, uh, some of his propaganda projects. So during World War One, he was hired to the Committee on Public Information. From here on out, we're just calling it CPI, or that's what he called it anyway. Committee on Public Information. Also, he, Edward Bernays himself referred to this committee as psychological warfare. And here's a quote from... Edward Bernays. Um, There was one basic lesson I learned in CPI. Efforts comparable to those applied by CPI affect the attitudes of enemy, neutral, and people of this country. It could be applied with equal facility to peacetime pursuits. In other words, what could be done for a nation at war could be done for organizations and people in a nation at peace. So he had a lot of really questionable projects and things that he brought to light. Well, he didn't really, other people brought them to light afterwards, but so he was he was involved with uh he had a campaign with the farm the dairy farmers and the and the pig farmers and like prior to him doing this it wasn't even a thing to have like bacon and eggs for breakfast it was just a propaganda campaign and he was responsible for the back in the day when you would see a sign that says I want you for the U.S. Army, and it showed Uncle Sam in a top hat pointing at you. That was Edward Bernays. He was just really good at influencing people, and he knew how the mind worked. And so he got hired. He was, like I said, he was involved in World War One, and he went on. I mean, he didn't die till '95, and he was involved in a lot of shit. So he was involved in all this stuff. He was hired by multiple presidents to, you know, try to influence people's thinking. Uh, In 1924, he was hired by Calvin Coolidge. 
and he encouraged him to do like a pancake uh, pancake breakfast with the voters because he had kind of a stuffy image and uh he just he it worked so he you know he did this pancake breakfast and made it seem like he was a a man's man you know out there for the people and Herbert Hoover consulted him a month before his uh, president 1932 presidential election and Bernays basically advised him how to create disunity with his opposing uh, who he was running against and to present himself as an invincible leader and that worked it worked you know so and then uh, during World War two he advised the United States Information Agency he also worked with the Army and the Navy I don't know I don't know uh, that Uncle Sam sign I don't know if that was when that was made I don't know if it was during World War one or World War two or what or after I didn't really look into that but he worked closely with the military and re reportedly he uh, turned down the Nazis were seeking help from him and he turned them down supposedly he already <laughs> he also turned down uh, Richard Nixon <laughs> that's kind of funny but um, let's see here uh, I don't really give a shit about his uncle he did work with him I mean Obviously, he was heavily influenced by Sigmund Freud. So, like, his... It's weird because his, uh... Like, his aunts and uncles were married to each other or some shit. What is it? So, Mother Anna was Sigmund Freud's sister. Father Eli was brother Freud's wife. So, yeah, it was... Probably... He was heavily influenced by that dude... But anyway, uh, in 1927, he, wor he briefly worked for Liggett and Myers, which were the makers of Chesterfield cigarettes. And then uh, they were going up against Lucky Strike cigarettes. My grandpa used to smoke those, non-filter. Non <laughs> and then, uh, so they had a... Uh, he was helping them with a campaign which involved mocking the endorsement of opera singers who who said lucky strikes were kind to your voice. But anyway, lucky strikes bought him out and it's all about money people. Lucky strikes bought him out and brought him over to the, to their side. And Basically, what they wanted him to do was to um, encourage women to start smoking because it was frowned upon back in the day. And uh, one of the things, let's see, one of the things that he did for them. Okay, so he consulted with a psychoanalyst named Abraham Brill who was a student of his uncle. And he, he re reported to him that cigarettes represented torches of freedom for women whose feminine desires were increasingly suppressed 
in modern society. All right. Because it should appear as news with no division at the publicity, actresses should be definitely out. So on the other hand, if young women who stand for feminism, someone from the women's party. So basically the, the young, the good looking actresses and stuff, they encourage them all to smoke on screen. And then they would put up like signs of good look, you know, strong women always had a cigarette, you know, like billboards, commercials, stuff like that. And then, uh, That's about it on that, but it's just propaganda. He's the he's the father of propaganda, which, by the way, after the war, people people started catching on to, to propaganda, and so he changed the word. He wrote a book where he proclaimed that he changed the word propaganda to public relations. So a lot of that going on in in the government these days, they just kind of play word games with shit. Um, yeah, so that's about it for him. I mean, there was one other thing that wasn't really a conspiracy at all. Um, Chiquita Banana hired him, and then he, like, started encouraging them to do commercials with, like, actors and actresses, and they would basically say like how healthy bananas are, which I think they are to me. Uh, maybe back in the day they didn't know what they were talking about because, you know, with the food pyramid and shit, obviously they don't really give a shit about us what we eat. They just want to they want to boost the economy and turn over good profit on everything that they can. But yeah, that's not really a big deal there. Um, anyway, one of the other things I wanted to talk about was the rat lines. Anybody know what I'm talking about here? The Red Cross rat lines. This was a program after, right after World War II. So the Red Cross and the Vatican helped thousands of Nazi war criminals escape after World War II. And this is all documented. Gerald Steinecker, researcher at Harvard, was given access to thousands of internal documents from the International Committee of the Red Cross, which proved many were issued to Nazis and Nazi collaborators. Comparing the list with the wanted war criminal list proved Britain and Canada alone took in over 8,000 Nazis. They were also issued fake IDs by the Vatican Refugee Commission. Of course, the Vatican refuses to comment on any of this, but like I said, he, he got access to all these, uh, all these Red Cross documents, and a lot of them, they even mention the Vatican, but of course the Vatican ain't going to admit shit. So, where was I at? Okay. They intercepted correspondence between the Red Cross delegations in Genoa, Rome, and Geneva, Switzerland, of course, indicate they were both aware of who these people were. 
Documents show at least 120,000 Nazis were assisted during this time. Most of them went through Italy, arriving in Spain and North and South America. It says particularly Argentina, but I mean, I've read all over South America, mostly South America from what I've seen. You know, uh, Argentina, Peru, Nicaragua, all the all over South America. Some of the more valuable Nazi assets were brought to the United States to work in the medi in medicine and science, such as Werner von Braun, who was who was uh, he was assigned to the head of NASA. And this was, this was uh, when he was the head of NASA that happens to be in uh, 1969 during the moon hoax or the moon landing. Anyway, that's about all I got on it. But that, I thought that was kind of interesting. And uh, God knows there's a shitload of them down in South America. And like, I, I mean, I was trying not to cuss at the beginning here because of the youtube video but it had it was supposed to be at least 15 minutes i don't even know if i made it but i started having all these audio issues and shit so i just cut it off but that reminds me somebody reached out to me and told me that i cussed too much so uh basically sir your conspiracy soldiers esg score just dropped all right well, I don't know if it was a sir, sir or ma'am. Your ESG score just dropped. Congratulations. All right, let me see here. Anyway, one of the one of the uh, other things I was looking at. So if you if you got if if any of you guys have listened to some of the previous episodes, you know that I went to Haiti during my stint with the Tenth Mountain Division, and uh. I was looking into this dude, Baron Samedi. So if you don't know who Baron Samedi is, in the voodoo culture, he's the dude with the top hat and like dark glass. Well, he doesn't always have dark glasses. Sometimes he's painted up. They they he paints himself up to look like a skeleton. So the it's a voodoo thing anyway, but um. So back before, during the time we went to Haiti, it was uh, Bill Clinton's buddy, uh, what was his name? Oh, uh, President Aristide. Him and, him and uh, Clinton went were tight. But this was before them, or before him. So first it was Papa Doc. And then his son, Jean-Claude Dullivier, Dovalier, Dovalier. Jean-Claude Baby Doc Dovalier. Duvalier, I don't fucking know. Yeah, so Baby Doc took over in 71. I'm done saying that last name. I'm going to call him Baby Doc. And, and, the, and the father's name, he was referred to Papa Doc. All right? They were both pretty brutal dictators they tortured people and all kinds of shit 
But um, supposedly, all right, so Papa Doc, he used to dress up like this Baron Samedi all the time. He would wear like dark, this Baron Samedi, like people at, uh, I don't know everything about this, but like people would dress up like him and uh, smoke cigars and like drink. I think it was gin that he liked, but supposedly it would please him and it would basically uh, fight off death or evil spirits. So this Papa Doc used to dress up like him, smoke cigars, wear the dark glasses, probably wear a top hat, and he would force his son to come with him and watch the political prisoners get political prisoners get tortured. And they would give them like acid baths and shit, all kinds of crazy shit. Um, and then when he when he died in 1971, Baby Doc didn't really want nothing to do with it. But then he eventually changed his mind. He he was pretty young. He became the country's head of state at 19, which was the youngest ever. So most of their wealth. They were involved, obviously, like I said, Clinton was involved with Aristide. And back then, they were, the U.S. was heavily involved, too. Most of the wealth came from, uh, like, misappropriated foreign aid, but they were rich as fuck. And uh, actually, when we stayed over there, we stayed in Baby Doc's mansion, which, which was on a in the richest area of Port-au-Prince. And... Uh, it was like on a hill. So we dug in fighting positions on the side of the hill all the way around. We made like a fortress. So we had, uh, you know, we had bunkers dug into the side of the hill. And a couple of weird things happened there. Uh, I don't know if it had to do with voodoo or not, but one of the guys, he wound up killing himself in, in one of these bunkers in one of these bunkers while he was on guard duty. And, uh, like, he was always super happy and shit, and nobody could believe it. Like, when it first happened, nobody really knew. It was just one shot. And uh, everybody just kind of took cover for a minute. We didn't know where it was coming from. Unbeknownst to us that it was him, and he put his M16 in his mouth and uh, he blew the back of his head off. And the weird thing, I mean, it's not really weird, but so when we found out that he put it on three round burst and when you, so the M16A2, the A1 was used during NOM, all right? And they had, you had three options on your, uh, on your switch there on the trigger mechanism. You had safe. You had automatic, and you had semi-automatic. So, that the M16A2, because they didn't want to waste ammo anymore, they had you had safe, semi-automatic, and three-round burst. Well, he had it on three three-round burst when he shot himself, and. 
it only got one round off. And and like when we would take it to the to the range and, and mess with it, I mean, you just barely touched it, and just three rounds busted up. So it was it was just weird, man. Only one round went off, and everybody took cover. And by the time, I mean, it wouldn't. We couldn't have helped. We would have, would not have been able to help him. I mean, he was gone at the second that he did it. But it's a shame. And um, but one of the other weird things that happened at Baby Doc's mansion was uh, and by the way, we were so fucking thrilled to take over this place because we didn't. We didn't have uh, any running water. Yeah, we didn't have we didn't have any running water or electricity, none of that shit, right? We were like we were like camping in uh camping out, you know, digging in fighting positions, uh, staying in like uh, airport bunkers, and then. We took this. We took his place over, and we were able to, uh, you know, take showers. There was electricity in there, lights. It was fucking sweet. But um, I think this lady, this voodoo lady, uh, Haitian lady, I think she put a hex on me. I swear to God, right? It's kind of embarrassing, but I'm gonna go ahead and tell you guys anyway. So it's. So, I'm out. We're out doing some maneuvers and shit, doing some missions. And there was always a whole bunch of people like watching us. Some of them liked us, some of them didn't like us. But I mean, we were there for them, supposedly, because the general of the Haitian army took over President Aristide's command of Haiti. So, Essentially, the military was now running the government, and a lot of people didn't like that. I guess a lot of people liked this guy. I found out later that the general the general took over because this Aristide was involved in some child trafficking. I mean, it's just a conspiracy theory. I don't have any facts, and I would never kill myself, by the way. But, uh... Just putting that out there in case something happens. Like I said, I don't have any proof there, Mr. Clinton. No proof at all. But anyway, like I said, most of the people were cool with us. Not everybody. It's, it's never, you know, you know, it goes both ways anywhere you go. So this lady, she was just fucking glaring at me, right? Like like staring daggers. Just me. There was a, there, I wasn't by myself. There was a whole bunch of us. And she's just staring daggers at me. No matter. I walk past her. I walk past her the other way. Just fucking staring at me so strangely. And she was really a beautiful Haitian woman, right? So then we leave. I go back on. Uh, we go back to Baby Doc's place. And then I had a uh, guard duty later. I don't know if it was later that day or the next day morning. I think it was, or it was probably the next day. No, I think it was the same day. But anyway, I'm on guard duty in one of these bunkers. And me and another guy were taking turns, right? So it was my turn to sleep. 
and I don't, this is for the men out there, I don't, I don't know how many of you guys have had uh, nocturnal emissions, it's usually when you're like 11 or 12, right, so I was like 19 or 20 at this time, and by the way, we were all jerking off and shit like that, and it was pretty, pretty openly talked about during that time, so you'd just be like, hey, who's got the titty magazine, I gotta go jerk off, right, <laughs> so, yeah, like I said, it was just fucking strange, so I, I'm asleep in this bunker, and I was having a dream about banging this chick, that same chick that was staring at me, and then I had a wet dream, at the age of fucking 19, 20 years old, which is so weird, I don't know if it was a voodoo hex, or I just wanted to, I don't, <laughs> oh shit, I shouldn't be talking about this, but I wasn't married at the time, but I don't think my, my wife doesn't give a shit about this show anyway, like, she'll be telling her friends at work, like, oh yeah, he's got to do the podcast that, on the weekend, and they'll be like, oh, what's the name of the podcast, and she'll be like, I don't know, <laughs> She don't give a shit about none of this stuff. I love her. But that's enough about Haiti and voodoo and wet dreams and all that crap. Uh, so, lately everybody's been talking about UFOs and shit. In the mainly in the government. But I mean, I don't want to talk about it too much because all the podcasts... All the conspiracy podcasts are talking about this shit, like Project Blue Beam. And to me, if 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 anybody knows what I'm talking about, Project Blue Beam was a an FBI uh, project that I think it was like back in the sixties or seventies. They they uncovered it, and it was like a, a plan to make like a one world one world or a new world order one government you know the typical the typical you know secret societies type of shit but i think so just imagine now they they say the government's like 30 to 50 years ahead of us at any given time right so if they have all the shit that you see out there in the news, like uh, AI, they can they now they can project commercials onto the skyline. You know, like Coca Cola pays money to have uh, commercials just shot into the air, and and people can see it when they're driving or being or outside or whatever. And you know, all this technology they got. So if we're thirty to fifty years behind them. Imagine what kind of shit they could uh, put up there in the sky. So don't fall for this shit. And I think COVID was a test run for it. Just imagine. All right, they they project all these aliens and shit into the sky. And they're telling us that they're going to kill us if we don't do such and such, right? So they're they're going to they're going to use fear-mongering to try to get Try to get uh, the society to follow what they want us to do. So don't fall for this shit. Like, do you remember during COVID? 
say you were supposed to be wearing a mask during the mask mandates and stuff. I didn't wear it a lot, and I'd have people screaming at me scared to death, right? And that was over a fucking flu. I should... It was over, I mean, a virus, flu type of virus. I had it a couple times and, well, I know one time for sure that I had it. And my wife got a little bit sick, so I called into work. I I told them, like, hey, my wife's got it. So they brought me in, stuck a Q-tip up my nose, sent me back home. And two days later, they told me, called me and told me I had it, so I had to sit home for like 10 days, it seemed like at least 10 days, it might have been a couple weeks, this was back when it when it was all fucking scaring the shit out of everybody, <clears throat> excuse me, so I went home and drank beer and played Madden for, you know, however long I was off, I didn't even feel sick, but supposedly I had it, whatever it is, but what I'm getting at so, this this was over a, a, a little virus. It was only killing like 1% of people that got it, which is the same thing that the flu was doing. You know, most of the people that died were old. And I'm not trying to say that it didn't happen. I'm, I'm not saying none of that shit. I'm just saying it, it wasn't really that much more dangerous than some of the other illnesses that dropped during that time period also which is strange to me but people were scared shitless right so they'd see me not wearing a mask women would be fucking yelling at me old men would be yelling at me and put on your mask all right so let's say that let's say that was a test run for this project bluebeam and they saw all the peer pressure that was going on you know, the fear, mongering, the fear mongering was working like a charm for them. So, people, you know, they got, they got this peer pressure. Everybody's yelling at each other, about ready to fucking fight and get violent. I'm sure there was some violence breaking out in a lot of places, right? And that was just over a, a sickness, right? So now you got uh, aliens that are threatening to kill... <laughs> You got aliens projected into the sky that are projected to kill humanity if we don't do what they want. Okay, so that's COVID times a thousand. All right? If the people that do believe this, we're literally going to be at war with each other. The people who fall for it and the people who don't. So, if, if this is true, I mean, if... Um, they have a lot of projects out there that they've they've done, and then they jump to something else. It's hard to keep track of these sneaky motherfuckers. But uh, yeah, they just want a new world order, and that's one of the ways that I just I just wanted to bring that up because I've been seeing a lot of people talking about Project Blue Beam, talking about aliens, UFOs. Now they're calling it more of their little wordplay that they like to do now they're calling them UAPs unidentified aerial phenomenons I don't know what the fuck the purpose of that was maybe because uh, UFOs was, was too hillbillyish 
Now they're trying to get people to feel like they're more sophisticated when they do their Project Bluebeam. I don't know. But, I don't know. I've been looking further into Switzerland a little bit now because all this shit we talked about in prior episodes. And so back in 19, or no, 2016, <laughs> 2016, they, they installed the world's longest and deepest rail tunnel over in Switzerland, and it ran down beneath the, beneath the Swiss, the Swiss Alps, and it was 35 miles long, it's 35 miles long, it's called the, the, the Goddard Base Tunnel, high-speed rail underneath the Swiss Alps between the northern and southern Europe, overtaking Japan's 53-kilometer trail runner, rail, rail tunnel, Took 17 years to build. Let's see. There's a list of all the people that were there. But it was connected to CERN in some way, which is weird. So this article I'm looking at. The CERN portal is seeking is seen opening after the rock falls, which is where the ceremony took place. And CERN is the uh, the Hadron Collider. So they they re supposedly they research antimatter, but it a lot of people think that they're like opening portals and shit. And Switzerland, a lot of it's said that Switzerland is like where the bottomless pit was supposed to be in in the Bible. But I just think Switzerland's like super shady. And so CERN was involved in this, this rail tunnel. And there's at the at the entrance of CERN there's a statue of Shiva, which is the Hindu god or goddess. And I say god or goddess because it's like uh supposed to be like a tranny. And he's known as the he is known as the destroyer. He's like a goat man. Um, and, and then they did a ceremony, right? They were dressed up in like black capes with hoods. And they're standing in front of this Shiva statue. And they're dancing around. And the, it's a goat man that looks like Baphomet. And he's got one hand up and one hand down, which, which signifies... As above, so below. And, uh, anyway, they did, like, uh, the people that, supposedly these were scientists, quote-unquote, that worked at CERN. They're dancing around these, the statue, and then they did, they did like, a fake, you can find this shit on, on the internet, by the way, just put in, um, Shiva statue, like like type in like Shiva statue, CERN uh, ceremony or something like that, and it will come up. But they did like a, a ritual sacrifice of a human being. And then I don't know how the who who taped it or how it came became uh, available to the public. Or who did it, or if they did it on purpose, or what. You never know what these people are up to. But it became, it's on the internet now. 
And then once people became aware of it and it started going viral and shit, they're like, oh, yeah, that was just, uh, we were just joking around. Like, what the fuck? These are scientists dancing around a fucking statue. And then they're doing like a, a ritual sacrifice. It's fucking nuts, man. Switzerland is shady. Super shady uh, shit going on over there. But that's about it for this show. And it was a... I had a lot of... I don't know how the beginning is going to sound. Because I was trying to do that video and it started fucking up. And I'm sorry about that. But, uh... If anybody's... If you guys got any questions or comments, bitches, gripes, complaints... Get a hold of us at Conspiracy Soldiers. Conspiracy Soldiers at Yahoo.com. No spaces, no commas or comments or underscore, none of that shit. It's just conspiracy soldiers at yahoo.com. And then uh, conspiracy soldiers on Instagram. All right. And if you guys like this show, please tell your friends and, and give us good reviews and stuff. And then, you know, if you don't, send, send me some hate mail. <laughs> uh, anyway, that's about it. So thanks for listening, everybody. Catch you next week. Thank you.